Aloha Mission Church. Welcome to another great Sunday together. We have so many good things that are happening in the life of our church. Children, I've not forgotten you. Hang on for just one second. We're going to, I just want to make a couple of announcements uh, before I let the children go. And one of the announcements that I really want to make sure that everybody knows is that next Sunday is Palm Sunday and the week after that is Easter Sunday. And um, this is my fault. I wish I would have been a little bit more forethinking. But in the past, we've given you prayer cards to pray for people that you care for and you love. And that prayer precedes the invitations that we offer for people to come. Because without our prayers, sometimes those invitations fall flat. But I sincerely believe that for the people that we love and care for, and even if you don't have a card, you call out their names to Jesus. And ask the Lord, open the door, open the way for us to, uh, to invite those that we care for and love to know you here at Mission Church and lift them up in prayer. And then follow that up with an invitation to come. And here's a prayer card that I used for Father's Day. And of the ten names that I prayed for, four of them have come to church. And, um, and this is not magic. This is just paper. What makes all the difference in the world is your prayer by faith. And so I invite you to be in prayer. And children, the reason why I asked you to stay is because I know God hears your prayers. So would you join us and pray for your friends and invite them to come and join us to be a part of our Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter Holy Week services. Okay, children, you're now dismissed to go. <laughs> Wonderful. And while they're heading out, as we talk about children... Um, the, the little video that we watched at the beginning of our service today is a passion of mine. Um, and, and that is that, uh, that on Easter is a great opportunity for us to focus our attention on the resurrected life and what that looks like and what that means. And on Easter Sunday, when we talk about resurrection, one of the most powerful ways that we can live into Easter is to be a person who helps to resurrect others. And when you sponsor a child through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, you actually get the opportunity to resurrect a person out of a life of poverty. And that is a powerful resurrection story. You heard Benny's story today. You'll hear one more next Sunday. And my hope and prayer is that it touches your heart. And that every single person in here can take the opportunity to pray about it to say, Lord, if it's okay, I mean, if it's possible, would you, would you put it on my heart to, to sponsor a child? And I will tell you something, not, I'm not trying to boast or anything like that. Rochelle and I sponsor two children. And, uh, and, and we have room to sponsor more. So I will probably sponsor one more child. And if you don't sponsor any children, let me encourage you to do one. If you have one, sponsor two. What a beautiful way this Easter to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus by helping to resurrect another life in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. Now we get to our message today. <laughs> now, two weeks ago, wow, two weeks ago, we had the amazing Women's uh, District Conference here at Mission Church. We were able to host the conference, and our general superintendent, Dr. Carla Sunberg, preached from all places in the Bible. This entire Bible was at her disposal. And she preached from Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. 
where previously I left off the week before. Now, I know some of you thought, oh, Pastor Gordon probably spoke to her and they worked it out so that when she preached, they would continue on in our sermon series. I want you to know that's not the case. I didn't see Dr. Sunberg till I arrived on Sunday morning and, uh, and then we just greeted one another. And when she began to preach from Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5 where I had left off, my jaw fell open. I don't know if, if it got caught on the camera. But I was like, Whoa. it was amazing. And, um, and I, I know that that was a divine appointment for us. What an amazing message that Dr. Sunberg brought to us on that day. It was no coincidence. And that gave me the opportunity now to continue to move forward in our sermon series here in Philippians chapter 2. So, when we look at Philippians chapter 2, my sermon is beginning at verse 9. And in the NIV, there, there is a word there that appears three times throughout chapter 2 of Philippians. The word, therefore. And, and people always say, you know, and you've probably heard this a thousand times when there's a word therefore you got to find out what is there what therefore is therefore and basically what therefore is therefore is to connect what is going to be said with what was just said that's always the reason why right and so when we look at verse 9 we want to look at it in context because to understand what Paul is saying from verse 9 to verse 11 we need to know what he said just before that so that we can get it in context. And so I'm going to start reading from verse 5. I know it's not up here. But if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. And it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing taking on the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness, he became obedient, and being found in appearance as a man, he became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And this is where we pick up verse 9, therefore. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven And on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for us today. Wow. So this word, therefore, appears three times in this chapter, in chapter, in verse 1, here in verse 9, and again in verse 12. But here in in verse 9, it connects what, G, what Paul talked about in, in what Jesus was, was coming to do and what he did with what was going to be. And the Apostle Paul says that it is because in verse 9, Jesus' humiliation, his suffering, his death, right? All of that came before the therefore. It was because he did all of those things, because of... He connects Jesus' uh, his humiliation, his suffering, and his death with his glorification, his exaltation, and, and all of it for the glory of God. We, we cannot see verses 9 through 11 without looking through the lens of verses 5 to 8. In order to understand why Jesus is exalted this way, 
We have to know what Jesus did. It's the therefore. And church, it's because of Jesus' voluntary act of humility. Where he laid aside his glory from heaven. Left all that it meant to be God up in heaven. To come to earth to be a man. I'm not sure what kind of sacrifices you've made in your life in times gone by and the things that you feel like you have to give up to get now. But I can guarantee you nothing that you have ever given up will ever come close to the sacrifice that Jesus gave up of being the Son of God in heaven, the part of the triune God to come down and be fully man. That descent... That descent is far greater than anything we can ever imagine in our lives. And Jesus came to fulfill God's plan of the redemption of all of us here. You see, Jesus was the Son of God. He had a plan to live out the plan that God gave to him to redeem all people back to God. And Jesus could have, he could have used his position as the Son of God, and the power that was His when He was up in heaven, while He was here on earth, to accomplish the great work that God had Him to do. He could have used all of that, but He didn't. He didn't use any of that, and He still accomplished the great work that was before Him. This is what makes Jesus amazing. You see, he set aside the very nature of being God. And yet, he still completed the task as a human being. Just like you, just like me. Now, you would think that while he had the power, he had every opportunity to use this great power that was his to use because it was in his very nature. He was God. It would have come in really handy In the very difficult and challenging times where he spent on earth. Think about this. When Jesus was being assaulted. When he he was accused falsely. And then arrested. Brought in and beat Beat up by mere men, by by human beings. Spit on, made fun of, humiliated by putting a crown of thorns on his head and a purple robe to mock him. The Son of God, who was sitting in heaven. (laughs) That would have been a good time to say, oh man, I've had enough of this. Let me show you why I'm here. And using the power that was his to have, he he could have redeemed people, maybe back to God in a different way by showing them this great, awesome power that he had. But that's not the way of Christ. He didn't do it that way. Instead, he sacrificed all of himself. Gave himself up and took on the punishment that was yours and mine And redeem people through a great act of love. And that's why the therefore is therefore in verse 9. 
the reason that God exalted Jesus, and the Bible says, to the highest place and restored everything back to Jesus that he had when he was in heaven. The reason that God did that was because Jesus laid aside everything that he had to come to earth and be a man. And here in chapter 2 is this amazing prophetic message of the now and the future. The verse 9 is the now that God exalted him to the highest place and has given the name that is above every name. And then the future. That the name of, at, the, at the name of Jesus, that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The now and the future, when, when Jesus returns to his rightful place, to becoming the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Almighty Son of God. And so the lesson for us today is this. The way to be exalted in God's eyes. My sermon title is The Way to Glory. The way to be exalted in God's eyes is not to seek after it. Not not to dream about the day, the one day that I will be great. And not to put into practice all of those things that we think we want to get to when we become great. I don't know if you've ever had dreams of, 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 of being at the top of your game in, in, in whatever field you're in. But in God's eyes, that's not the way to greatness. It's, it's, not, it's not the way where we reach up for, to get more and reach higher and higher. For God, the way up always starts. With a servant's heart and a humble spirit. The way up begins down. Which is, which is so counterintuitive for us as human beings. Right? It is a hard lesson for us to learn of the way God sees greatness and glory. Our human condition always teaches us to reach up and move up and want more and raise higher. That's what we're all called to do. From the very beginning of our life to achieve, we have to move up and and do great things. And that's the greatest temptation for us all that we face in life. It's the same temptation that Adam and Eve faced in creation. The temptation to be like God. To know good and evil. The same temptation that the disciples faced. To be great. It's even the same temptation that Jesus faced. And and we can look at all of that. In Mark chapter 9, verses 33 to 35. Jesus is journeying with his disciples to Capernaum. And as he's traveling along, the disciples are arguing. I'm sure they're spread out along the way and and Jesus hears them arguing. You know what they're arguing about? Who's going to be the greatest? Right here. As they came to Capernaum, when he was in the house, he asked them, what are you guys arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was going to be greatest. And then sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, 
Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Wow! Those are some hard words. Amen? It is. It is. Because everybody wants to move forward and be great. And you know, I say this again and again and again. Maybe someday... No, I'm not going to say that. Someday maybe somebody can make a t-shirt of what I say. <laughs> but somebody will. Because I already have an Ultraman t-shirt now. Thank you, by the way, Marco and, and George. But the, this is what I believe with all my heart. The reason why I love Jesus so much is because Jesus never asks us to do anything that he himself doesn't do first. That's the mark of the greatest leader. It's not do as I just tell you to do. It's do what I have shown you already and you do what I have done. And that's what Jesus constantly does. And even in this passage of Scripture, here in verse 35, when he sits down with his disciples, and he says, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Check, Jesus has done that. He is our great example of that. And so he's addressing this desire in his, in, in, in his disciples to, to want to be the greatest. They're arguing about Have you ever been in an argument? Of course you have. <laughs> Do you remember the last argument? John says, no, I haven't. <laughs> Do you remember the last argument that you had? Yeah, I see, I see the nods. The whole point of arguing is to prove that you're right. Right? Right? <laughs> That's the whole point of arguing. Can you imagine the, uh, the disciples arguing about who the greatest will be? Right? Obviously, Simon Peter will say, guys, step aside. Let me walk behind Jesus and be the closest one to him because obviously I'm the greatest. Right? You can see Simon Peter saying something like that. And Matthew says, you're not the greatest. Come on. I'm better than you. And, uh, and to prove it, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going I'm to write a book. And I'm going to name it after me. And I'm going to talk all about Jesus. And John goes, you guys are nuts. I'm going to write a book, name it after me, talk about Jesus. And in my book, I'm going to say I'm the most beloved one. <laughs> so that's the I can just picture them arguing about that. And, and, and so the, the disciples, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. I'm better than you, right? And whenever you argue, isn't it always about self-promotion? About putting others down as you elevate yourself? We do it all the time. And most of the time, we don't even know that we're doing it. I'll give you a great example. The men in the church, the, the men's group is called 3M, men, Mission Men's Ministry. That's why we're called 3M. And on Wednesday nights, we're studying this book, and I've brought this book and shared it with you in my sermon several times. It's called Live Last, and it's by Keith Newman, a former pastor right here at Mission Church. I've never met Keith yet personally in my life, and I'm looking forward to one day meeting him because this has been 
an amazing book. On Wednesday nights, we gather together and we talk about this. And if there are men in here that are free on Wednesday nights at 6.30, come and join us. It has been so good. And in this book, Keith tells a story of when he was a student in college. And the church that he was going to asked him if he would serve uh, the church by by driving some at-risk youth to church, kind of like a bus ministry. And because he loved Jesus and because he was part of the church, he said, sure, I'll be happy to do that. And so they got him driving these, these, these teens to church, these at-risk youth. But these youth were 45 minutes away, one way. And so this was a, a whole day affair for Keith on a Sunday morning, having to drive to church, get the church van, and then drive 45 minutes one way to pick up the kids, drive them back to church, do church all together, drive them back home, and then come back to drop off the van and then go home. Big commitment. And over a holiday weekend, the place where these teens were living had taken a trip And no one told Keith that they were gone. And so Keith drives to church and he picks up the van and he drives 45 minutes all the way to go pick up the kids and nobody is there. And nobody told him. No doubt he was a little upset. Gets back in the car, driving back to the church, murmuring the whole way, and saying things that almost puts you on the line of not being sanctified anymore, you know, those words. And he's driving back, and he finally gets back to church, and uh, the first person he sees is a friend of his, a retired pastor. And he lets loose his frustration and his anger and his disappointment. And he said, I can't believe it. I give up my time as a college student. It takes me all day. And finally I get here. I go up there, pick up the kid. Nobody, nobody tells me anything. And this retired pastor had the wherewithal to give Keith some great advice. After Keith got done with his rant, the retired pastor says, why don't you quit? Which was jarring to Keith. He wasn't expecting to hear that. But when he heard it, it put everything back into perspective. Why are you doing this? Why don't you quit? If, if this is about you, then you ought to quit. But if this is not about you, and if it's about those kids that you pick up on Sunday morning, maybe you shouldn't be so upset. And if this is about God, well, (laughs) that's a whole different story altogether. And it helped Keith to put things back into perspective. Because what Keith was doing was reaching up, grabbing a hold of that power that we all Love to do. And sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it. Keith realized that he was doing this ministry not for the boys and surely not for God. He had to check his motives and his intentions. You see, arguing about accomplishments, arguing about accomplishments is is not what the kingdom of God is all about. 
And another thing about reaching up and, 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 and wanting glory, because this sermon is about the way to glory, right? Another, another important lesson for us to learn is, is the issue of grasping for glory, is how, like Keith learned, it takes up so much time. It takes up so much time. When, when ambitious people want to move up, right, they want to do it fast. They want to get in the game, take over, score the winning basket, and that's where all the glory comes from. Waiting just takes too much time. And that's part of the problem that we struggle with as well, too. We struggle with the temptation of wanting to take shortcuts to get to where we really want. And, and it's not, when, when you want to do something great for God, sometimes you feel like taking the shortcut is, is the best possible way to go. I mean, we're doing it for God, right? But God has a process for us to take in order for us to get the full measure of the lesson that we need to learn. Quick glory is no glory at all. You see, Jesus faced this very thing. When you look back at Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus is tempted, right? What is Jesus tempted with? We know the first two temptations. Turn this stone into bread. And then jump off the temple and let the angels catch you. There, that was the temptation to show his great power. And Jesus resisted that. The third temptation though. The third temptation. The devil knew exactly why Jesus came. Jesus came to be King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus came to, to establish God's rule and reign on this earth. And so, the third temptation in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 to 10. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The temptation for Jesus right here was the shortcut to glory. To, 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 to skip the disappointment that he would have with his disciples. To, to skip over the frustration that he had with the Pharisees. It is for the Son of God to not have to go through being falsely accused and arrested and humiliated and spit upon and eventually be crucified. Would you rather not go through that and just jump to the glory? I would. If given the opportunity to not go through all the junk that Jesus went through, trying to get his disciples ready, having to fight with the Pharisees, being falsely accused of things that he did not do, and then paying the consequences for that, even with his life. Would you rather skip that part and just go straight to the glory? That's what the devil was offering Jesus. But see, <laughs> the process of going through all of these things is what brings the glory 
from God. The world wants exactly what the devil was offering. Instant glory. But that's not the example that Jesus left us to follow. We go through the hard times for us to build our character, to make sure that God has a completely surrendered heart in the life of the believer. I'm willing to go through the challenging things for your glory, God. And this is not about me. If it's all about me, then I'll skip all of that and just head straight for the glory part. That's what Keith was struggling with when he went to pick up the kids and doing it all for the wrong motives. You see, Jesus' glory came because he chose humility. The reason every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord is because Jesus' greatness came in his humility, in his servant's heart, and in his humble spirit. Jesus didn't take the shortcut. He went through the hard road. And because of that, God exalted him. Therefore, God exalted him. Jesus was exalted for his willingness to go from being God, all of God, to being a mere human being, to taking on flesh, to becoming poor and a servant of all, and to be subjected to death, even death on the cross. Jesus shared this plan with us already in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, when he said, If anyone wishes to come after me, let them deny themselves, take up the cross daily, and follow me. And this is a beautiful way, a concise way to say what Philippians chapter 2 has to say right here. Jesus said it first. And it's important to know This is important to know. Where Jesus' Jesus glory came from. It's important to know that that Jesus, Jesus didn't call for his own glory. You know, whenever I think of somebody that's that's just you know wanting the 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 bright lights on themselves, this kind of dates me. But I, I think of Muhammad Ali. Some of you guys know he's a boxer, right? And, and what he used to do and what he used to say, I thought was just so amazing. I'm the greatest in the world. I'm the most prettiest. I'm the most beautiful. I will knock you out. I can fly like a butterfly and sting like a bee. And all the young people in the church going, who is that? <laughs> but that's the self-promotion of everything that, that this world wants to Wants, to, wants us to see and accomplish that way. And that is totally not the way of God. Jesus didn't exalt himself. Read the Bible. You know what Jesus did? He was honest about who he was. He told people that he was the Son of God. And when Pilate asked him, are you a king? He said, that's who I am. He didn't deny any of that. If he did... He would be lying, but he did not lie. He was honest about who he was. Yet, at the same time, Jesus never exalted himself, not even once. 
He didn't put himself up on a pedestal. Instead, through the whole time of honestly telling us who he was, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Son of God, Jesus took the posture of a servant and having a humble heart. He, he didn't look down on the woman who was caught in adultery. Instead, he reached down, he wrote down on the ground, and he looked up at her. Well, if nobody's here to condemn you, neither will I. He didn't look down on his disciples as they were entering into uh, the Holy Week. When, when he got his towel and his basin, he washed the disciples' feet and he looked up to them. That's the, the posture of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul makes it clear that it was God who exalts Jesus, not Jesus exalting himself. And in our lives, we should not be like Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Let us not exalt ourselves. Over and over, the Bible teaches us about humility. Because honestly, church, the way to glory is the way of Jesus. And that way is through humility. When asked what are the three most important Christian virtues are, Augustine said, humility, humility, and humility. <laughs> and so 1 Peter 5, 6 gives us this beautiful lesson on what glory looks like for those who follow Jesus. Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Glory will come when we humble ourselves. This is the way to glory. Jesus had it right. The way to lift God higher is to live deeper in humility. And our passage closes in verse 11, where it says, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The glory of God is the reason why we live our lives. To bring God glory. And church, during this time of Lent, I want to remind you that we're in a season of Lent, a season of reflection, a season of repentance, and a season where we in our lives ought to reveal the God who lives in us. And our call and our role and our purpose then is to lift God higher, taking Jesus as our Savior and humbly receiving Him as Lord of our lives. Today, church, if you have not done that, if there are people in here who have never taken the opportunity to accept Christ as Savior and make Him Lord of your lives, today would be a great day to start. And today, church, if, as we have journeyed through Lent and you've not had the time to really reflect, and you've not had the time to think about the things that will draw you closer back to Jesus, and repent and to turn from where you were at to where Jesus would have you to go. Today is a great day to do that. 
Will you open your hearts to Jesus today for all that he has done for you? To lift him up and put him where he belongs. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God who reigns in heaven and on earth and in our own hearts. My prayer today is that you know one thing is for sure. From our passage of Scripture, it tells us every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. We can choose to take a posture to do that now or we will be compelled to do that when Jesus reigns. My prayer is that you choose today who your Lord will be. As we close today, I'm going to ask the worship team to come to lead us in this beautiful song, King of Kings. And I invite you to take the posture in your heart of humility, to not grasp for anything higher but instead to take the example of who Jesus is. To humble ourselves and in due time, God will lift us up. And if you would like to pray today, I'm going to pray. I'm going to bow down. Bend my knee because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I'm going to do that today. If you'd like to come and join me in prayer, Feel free to do that. You can do that in your seats. If you've never accepted Jesus in your heart before, it's a simple prayer of inviting Christ in. John 1.12 says that to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Oh, may you know that you are a child of God today.